welcome to another episode of Fools Daily. Yes, two in a row. Huh. I'm doing a chill wind. Ah. Why are you doing a chill wind, Matt? Because we're going to talk about a new game system. What, a new game system that we said, yeah, with no new game systems. That's the one, yes. I, I was wondering if it was because, you know, hell had finally frozen over, you know, because you two had found something else to play. No, no, we always find something else to play. <laughs> it's, this is not our fault. No, blind wine. We are talking about Frostgrave. And, Mike, tell me, what is Frostgrave? Thank you, thank you, Lee. Or should we just say that me, Matt, Mike, all here still? Yes, we probably should. Yeah, hello. Um, hello. Still Lee yeah. and still Matt. Um, see, you're on the ball, Mr. Patrick. Well, you know, I've got to be because I've got to have my wits about me because you're now going to try and get me to spend money that I don't have. Well, we could probably give you stuff. Yeah, I've got loads of figures. And you can use your Normans. Yeah. Yeah. You really can, actually. Yeah. yeah. What would I so, be using my Normans for? Right. So Frostgrave. It's a new it's a new game from uh Osprey. Well published by. Published by Osprey. Well I think it is no, it's an Osprey game. Right. I think it's just that um North Star Miniatures uh Nick Ear. Is it Ear? Is that how you pronounce it? Air. I think Air. It's like Jane Eyre, isn't it? Oh is it? Yeah, of course oh, okay. it is. Um I think they're just heavily involved in, you know, the selling the figures and things. Yeah. Because obviously Osprey don't sell figures. No, and in fairness, very similar to what they've done with Fistful of Kung Fu and In Her Majesty's Name and those other kind of combined publishing, distributing yes. deals. Yes. So it is a new game. Now, I will hold up my hand and say that when I first started to see stuff about this game, which must have been April, May time, I was not buying into it why uh, mainly the figures to be honest okay um the figures that they previewed at the time were very 80s early 90s type figures um how do you mean not well you know not particularly dynamic yeah very relative. almost you know um you could tell they've been made up from perhaps like a, a fixed dolly underneath, so they were very sort of static mannequin-y type poses. They're very sort of flat models. You know. yeah, if yeah. You, if you if you cast your mind back, way back, <laughs> to um, before Games Workshop went all slotter basey and stuff, so really far back. I don't know if I'm um, that old. No, you are that old. Okay. Don't make out that you're not that old. Um, they used to do... You know, just ranges of fighters and wizards and things. Yeah, and, and at the you time, could, those you could get blisters, and they'd be like, you could tell there was three guys have all been made off the same. Yes. So at the time, they were great figures, but that was twenty five years ago. Yeah. And when I saw these, I thought old Citadel wizards, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I wasn't going to buy into it. And I saw a few reviews. Um, that said, this is a great game. This is very like Mordheim. Um, and it's it was very, you know, it's very much it's focused around the wizard and then everyone else's supporting cast member type thing. Okay. Which yeah. sounded very like Fistful of Kung Fu. Yeah. 
you know, where you've got your protagonist, who is the, basically the bloke who does everything, and then you've got your extras who are just there to get hit. The blade of wounds, really. Yes. Make up the numbers and make it look like yeah. so you're not playing one model. Or... Yes. And so I really wasn't. I really wasn't going to get into it at all. And then Dwayne, may his name ever been cursed, um, who hasn't been on the hasn't been on the show, but um, is a hob a worse hobby enabler than I am. I like to think. Well, he was the one that brought of gods and mortals into the fold. He was. He was. So basically, everything's his fault. Yeah, blame Dwayne. <laughs> um, said that he'd got it, and he posted some really lovely paint jobs of models that he was using. Which he does every single time he does something like this. Yes. And so we had a gaming day yesterday at Spoonies. And we said, okay, we'll give Frostgrave a go. What's happened uh, since then, Mike? Just, just to summarise our view of Frostgrave. What happens to us since that decision of let's give it a go? Uh, we spent money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd asked, I asked a few people who um, on the old internet and what it was like, and they said it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty decent game. So I thought, okay, I'll buy the book because it's a tenner for a hard for a hardback rule book. I'll buy the book because you know, you know, I like to collect rule books even if I'm not playing them. Yeah, I like to have a read through and just see sort of design trends and things. So I picked up I picked up the rule book, and I still didn't really have any intention of playing it, even though I'd picked up the rules. Didn't have any intention of playing the game. I thought, all right, if I do play it, from looking at it, I can repurpose figures that I've got already, use them, everything's fine. Yeah. Little investment, already got the stuff. Yes. Yep. Sounds so, I'd be interested in them. So rocked, rocked up yesterday to um, watch, to hang out at Spoonies. We, we're playing games. Um and Spoons and Dwayne played a game of Frostgrave. And myself and Mark Shepard, uh, another of our friends, was sitting watching. Hmm. And Mark had already played. He'd played Dwayne earlier yes. in the week. Yes. It was absolutely hilarious. In what way? It's... Oh. So the, ba- the basic of the game is you have your wizard... And your wizard knows eight spells. Um, you get to pick the school of your wizard. There are ten different schools. So Matt took a necromancer. Yep. Um, you get three spells from your necromancer's school. You get three spells from friendly aligned schools. And then you get two spells from not directly opposite, but you know, not aligned schools. Yep. And there's eight spells per school. Um, so you've got a wide range of choice on what you're going to take. Um, it's a D20-based game. A spell basically has a description, and it has a number that you have to roll on a D20 to cast it. Your wizard's the most important part of the game. He has an apprentice. Um, and then you have, effectively the rest of your wizard's party, which are things like thugs, knights, apocrypharies, um, men-at-arms, do- hunting dogs, 
those sorts of things. And yeah. you, when you build your crew, you have 500 gold coins to build it. Um, two, an apprentice is 200, and I fail to see a reason why you wouldn't have your have the apprentice. And then, so effectively, you have 300 gold coins to spend on bodies. Yeah. And it's just, it's a game where you're trying to raid this ancient city that has been buried under the snow for a thousand years, where all the magicians used to live, and it's now the snows have abated, and you can get into this um, city. So, oh, it's Mordheim, yep. basically. Yeah. Um, and the objective of each game is not to kill your opponent... It is to get treasure chests off your edge of the board. So you go, up, you have to go up to a treasure chest, pick it up, and then carry it back to your board edge. Um, but of course, your opponent is trying to get treasure chests and carry it back to their board edge as well. Yep. And the w person who wins the game is the person who has the most treasure chests off the table. Um, sounds pretty straightforward. Uh, the game is split into effectively three phases. You have a wizard's phase, where um, my wizard goes, then your wizard goes. Then you have the apprentice phase, where my apprentice goes and your apprentice goes. And then you have the everyone else phase. So you know your wizard is going to act first. And there are some extra rules that enable him, if he's got minions close to him, then the minions can do something in the wizard phase rather than in the everyone else phase. Yep. And so that makes it, you know, it's a pretty straightforward game. You you cast your spells. The spells are relatively powerful. Um, you know, you can summon in demons and uh, put up energy shields and throw fireballs and all of that sort of thing. All stuff that you would expect a fantasy wizard to be able to do. Um, you know, Matt was bringing demons in. He had a spell that if you, f if you, if he managed to cast it and you failed your roll, you were just dead as he sucked the life out of you. But when you don't get it off, I take damage. Yeah. That happens quite a lot. Um, so that's, the, that's the game. There is a mechanism in it. If you fail your casting roll, depending on how much you fail by, your wizard takes damage. So it can be dangerous to cast to cast the power high level spells because you've obviously got more chance of casting. Matt's death spell had a casting roll of eighteen. So Matt was killing his own wizard with it. Then. Yes, but um, but what you can do is you you have the option of if you get close to the number that you need to cast something, you can choose in effect to trade off wounds for. Dice points. So if I'd have rolled a 16, then I could have taken two wounds to take it up to 18 to get the cast off. Um, and then the spell would have been successful. Oh, cool, yeah. So, so you, can, you can trade life force for energy, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and that's it. And then there's a, there's a campaign system built into the game. And it's really designed to be played as a campaign. Um, where at the end of the game, you get experience your wizard goes up levels so he can learn more spells or he can you can either learn a new spell improve one of your stats you know like your wounds mm. and or your movement or something or make the difficult or master a spell which basically makes the difficulty of a spell one less 
So you can start bringing down the, you can start bringing down the difficulty of your high level spells. Yeah. Um, as you go. And you can sell. Obviously, you get your gold, so you can buy new equipment for your men and add more people to your gang. Uh, your sort of war band, I assume. I've I've only picked yeah. up my copy of the rules this morning, thanks to Amazon Prime. Well, Mike's Amazon Prime, <laughs> and it's next day delivery. So, it, it you know it's a pretty straightforward sort of game. What makes it the the thing that makes it fun is the tre- is the picking up treasure mechanic. Um, you pl- you play there's I think there's twenty different areas that you can play on, and each of them have different hazards. Yeah. Um, some of them, for example, are a completely indoor labyrinth of dungeons. Well, that'd be handy. I know. Funny that. <laughs> and we were we were playing yesterday. They were playing on one that was worm infested. Um, so this giant. So there was a chance that this giant worm would come out um, to protect the treasure and start devouring everything near it. But the other thing that happens is every time someone picks up a treasure chest, you roll on an event table. And you can get, I think it's a one in five chance of getting a random event. So we had wolves come on, and then the wolves proceeded to eat Dwayne's wizard. Um, We had a snow troll come on. We had a wild boar come on. Um, You know, they come on the table edge, and then there are effectively AI rules for controlling how they move. So effectively... And that's what suddenly... That's what suddenly makes it fun because the game suddenly gets incredibly deadly. Yeah. <clears throat> so it sounds pretty close to a tabletop um, role play game. You know, it's, it's got the, you know what I mean? It's got that element of it where <clears throat> it's quite random. That it's not just my wizard does this, your wizard does that. Yes, it's very, it, it, it's very random and it, it's very like a, a role playing game. The investment that you put into your character in deciding... Because you're, when you're effectively setting up your warband to start with, if you're not playing a one-off game, you're effectively fixing his abilities at that point, yeah. just like you do in, say, Dungeons & Dragons when you're designing your wizard. So you're saying, this is my spell loadout, and I'm going to go with this spell loadout for the duration of this campaign. Yeah. Um, so you have to put a lot of th- thought into it. So Dwayne's wizard is a summoner. And so he's can bring you know he's bringing in demons and imps and and you can bring it there's a spell to bring in an imp that is quite cheap but the imp is unbound so you have to then bind it otherwise it will kind of just attack your own wizard and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean it follows the same <coughs> AI as one of the random encounters. In effect, you're just bringing something on the table. So that's great if you want to summon it in the middle of your enemy's um, warband because it will just then go to town on them. The general AI rule is that it will move to and attack the closest. Um, player model. Yeah. So if you summon in an unbound demon, then it will. If you're the closest, then it will come and try and attack you. And things things die relatively easily. Um, if if I'm attacking you, we both roll a d20, and then there are some modifiers to that d20. Whoever wins that d20 roll wins the combat. Yeah. But the different but the difference in our scores doesn't matter. So you just got to win. It, it's the difference between what you've rolled with your modifiers and the armor value of what you're attacking. 
So the armor value of a typical grunt is 10. So if I roll like a 17 and I'm at plus two because, you know, I'm a wizard or whatever, I've effectively won by nine. Yep. I've, I've, I've won. I might only win the roll off with you by one, but my roll is nine higher than your armor. Yeah. So you take nine wounds. Ooh. Um, most of the grunts have ten wounds. Yeah. So two hits and they're done. That's good. But it's got its mechanic, its campaign mechanic. Now the, the issue I, I love more time. The issue I have with more time, and in, you know, in the same vein, Necromunda on the sci-fi front was the first couple of games would be really good fun and straightforward, and you do the campaign thing, and then stuff would start to get so complicated with all the changes in rules and additional bits and bobs. It looks like that sort of first first look that while there is options for injuries and stuff like that for your kind of primary characters. The role afterwards is kind of like, yeah, you're actually dead, or you miss a game, or you come back ready for the next game. So it is yeah. very simplistic. It doesn't have the the complications that Mordheim have with more and more rules coming in. Yeah, it's only your it's only your wizard and I think the apprentice yeah. who can who make rolls on an injury table. All of your grunts are just that; they're grunts. So um, you roll. Um, they're either dead, missing a game, or perfectly okay. That's fair enough. So you don't have... There's not as much record-keeping. No, because by the sound of it, your grunts are literally just that. You've either got them or you haven't. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and you need them because you need someone to schlep the treasure around. Yeah, and that's basically what they kind of become to a degree, is kind of treasure carriers and chaff to stop people getting to your wizard. Because generally, wizards don't want to be fighting people. You can't cast spells if you're engaged in combat. Yeah, and you can't move out of combat. Yeah, so... Oh, that's one of the other things. You always have to move. You have you effectively have two actions, and you, one, one of them, of them has to always be has to be a move. Because it's freezing in Frostgrave. You stand still, and you just get frozen in place. Cool, so no um, camping. No camping at all. No. You, you, you have to move. Every model has to move. Um, unless it's engaged in combat, in which case it's not allowed to declare a move action because it's fighting. Yeah. But what sort of technology level is it? It's fantasy wizard. Yeah, bows, crossbows, yeah. no black powder. Okay. And is it all human? So, like, even you said necromancer, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. From a model point of view, do you mean? Yeah. So, like, you know, could you uh, could you say the necromancer and then they're all skeletons with him, or absolutely yes, no reason would... why not? It makes no so long as it, as long as you make it clear that this is a knight skeleton and this is a thug skeleton. Yeah. You know the, the model that you're the, you're not using the same skeleton model and going well this one's a knight and this one's a thug. Yeah. yeah. So like if you if I was raiding a, a GW sort of thing, you'd have skeleton warriors and then you'd have uh, whatever the the guarded ones. Right. That's yeah, the race guard. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. just to run through what your choices are, soldiers. I've flipped open to the appropriate page. Okay, so you can have a warhound, you can have a thug, a thief, an archer, a crossbowman, an infantryman, a tracker, man-at-arms, treasure hunter, knight, templar, ranger, barbarian, apothecary, or marksman. And obviously their stats are relevant and their cost according to what kind of role they're supposed to have. So, you know, your, your marksman obviously has a very good shooting score. Um, your barbarian has a good fighting score. Um 
and their will and health are the things that help them overcome spells and stuff like that. So, you know, you've got a good choice. And much like a lot of the other games, although there is a figure range that is associated, I would say, with the rule set, there is no requirement for you have to buy those figures. So, you know, you could use whatever you want. So, like you say, Lee, if you wanted to do a Necromancer and have an entirely undead warband, there's absolutely no reason why you can't. Yeah, as long as you've got the models to represent what it is. Yeah. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah, and it's a maximum of ten models. All oh, right. You so can't you you can't go above that. Yeah. That's that's the maximum. It's not like you can when you get rich you can just keep adding grunts and get to twenty or thirty models. No, but all you are going to probably do is end up just upgrading the ones you've got, aren't you? Yeah, but you can only all the this is the other thing. All of the other grunts can only have one upgrade. You can give them a magic sword or a magic shield or... Oh, no, no. Um, what I mean is, you know, you'd start yeah. off with, like, I'd say, a couple of thugs and a couple of this, a couple of that. And then yeah. four or five games in, you'd probably, you know, you, you'll be upgrading. You might end up to... with all knights. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's pointed out in the rule book that while one knight costs more than four thugs, one knight will not beat four thugs. Four thugs will kill one knight. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, there's not there's not that, aha, I bought a knight, he costs four times as much as you, therefore I shall be able to kill four of you. Oh, no, no, what I meant is in the campaign, you'd slow, you know, you'd be able to replace people up. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, you've got the potential that people will actually die. Yeah. Yes. That sounds pretty cool. Yes, it, it certainly was looked fun. The random encounters that came on were a lot of fun. Um, you know, frost giants, and there's a whole manner of nasty things that live in uh, a frost grave. Um, but it's definitely it's it's not something that I'd want to do a one-off game of. No, that's, it's something that you've got to play a few games, get used to it, and then have a little campaign. Yeah. You know, running for two months, maybe five, six games, and then you put it aside. You know, then it's a put aside thing, and you come back to it another time and do it. It's like I suppose the closest analogy for me would be Blood Bowl. Mm. You know, you don't want I would, to play it solidly, but no. But every so often, Run a it's league. nice to break out the Bug Bowl figures and have a little league. Yeah, and then you put the Blood Bowl figures away again, and you might not get them out for another two years. Um, Frostgrave is like that. And originally, I was just going to use my uh, existing figures. Um. And I was going to use my barbarians and the wizards I got from them. And then I thought, oh no, I'll use Skaven. Um, and that will work fine. But then Matt opened his mouth and it's all his fault. Yeah, probably. It's a good idea though. It was. Because Matt said, oh, I'm going to do a Discworld band. And of course, you said, yeah, and as I saw them earlier, you've got um, yeah. the. Guards. Well, I, I said, oh, that's a good idea, Matt. I've got a load of Discworld figures. You can have them. And then Matt went, oh, no, even better. I'm going to do a Nurgle band and plague demons and things. At which point he said, why don't you do the Discworld band, Mike? To which I went, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So what size sort of base is he looking at? It doesn't matter. Don't matter. But... We've we've been put. I put mine on thirty. Yeah. 
That's right. You know, I didn't know if there's a set sort of size for different. No, no, no. It, it like very much like the other games that sort of have caught Mike and I's um, eye over the last couple of years. I suppose it is not that prescriptive, so it doesn't really matter. Um, my argument with those and with basing, and although it may not specifically say it in the rules, is the easy way is then you measure to the centre of the base, and it doesn't make any bloody difference anyway. So there is no edge to be gained by having bigger bases. That's fair enough. Um, and, yeah, it, because it is kind of generic, I, I would say, you know, the generic almost dark age kind of um, fantasy. So I, it's not necessarily high fantasy per se, although there's no reason why you couldn't go that way with whatever figures you wanted. A lot of the stuff, which is why sort of Mike said at the beginning, your Normans are perfectly serviceable yeah. um, for your kind of for your troops because I mean, if you look at the on the very front page, the soldiers all fighting in the background pretty much look like Normans and Saxons and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it's kind of got that Dark Ages to early medieval look around it. Yeah, I mean, your your basic if you wanted to play Lee, your basic investment would be a wizard and an apprentice. Yeah, yeah. That's and then you, and then we're away. Um, but it has it has got me it has got me excited. It does look like fun. Um, you know, there's and there's local people playing it as well. So, well, this this is the thing. This is why I've always held off. If I'm honest, when you two start going on about something new. Well, it's just that, that hardly ever happens, though. No, no, yeah. I, I wait two months and then consider whether or not I was, it's something yeah. to look into. Yeah. Well, there. Are, I mean, there are other people locally playing it. Um, I've been this afternoon. I've been repurposing my old Rasputina board. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn it into a Frostgrave board. So I've been stripping off all the wallpaper, and I'm going to use. Um, the cork technique that I used on my Wild West board. Yeah, but just do it with sort of greys and stuff. And that, but I'm also going to put some uh, tile. I've got some plastic card tile. Yeah. Because you're supposed to be in this abandoned, you know, this ruined city. I'm going to put that as if it's like an abandoned road and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I've already had Dwayne asking me about um, how hard would it be to break the buildings we've got to make them look ruined. Yep. Yeah, there's all sorts of ideas. And the other thing about a nice mini campaign with this or with Blood Bowl or anything like that, it kind of lends itself to a short-form podcast to kind of encapsulate the results and and after-action reports, really. Yeah. Okay. Do you know any of those? Well, I know of one. Yeah? Yeah, just back from its holidays. I'm I just looked at the time that the first episode back was. I'm not sure it's considered short form. Not so much when we start running on. No. Really? But Running on, you two? Yeah. No. No, no. No. Oh, I am going to make another investment, though. What's yeah. that? I am going to buy some new D20s. Yes, I need some D20s, because I've got none. I have D20s, but they're not going to be colour-coded to this crew. <laughs> so I need to get some of that colour Roughly how many would you be using at once? One. One. <laughs> oh, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you, don't, you, only need a, you only need a couple of tops, but you only really, it's only single die roll all the time, so 1d20 is plenty. Yeah. That's fair enough. Well, in that case, then I, I think I've got about five or six different sets for different d20s. Well, there you go. You're set. Yeah. I have seen some people saying that they're going to, um, 
they're thinking about tweaking it so it's a 2d10 roll rather than a um mm. uh, a d20 because obviously that makes the curve more predictable uh, i quite like the variation of a d20 i've seen nothing nothing in the game that we played that makes me think that it needs to be changed yeah i mean certainly uh you know we play other d20 based games uh most notably dead man's hand yeah and that agony of going from a one to a 20 sort of thing is part of the fun of the game um, especially when you're Matt and you can't roll anything other than a one. Yeah, I did roll a lot of ones yesterday. You did, uh, apart from and then the, yeah. apart from important things like when you needed to roll ones. Yeah, I do need to ask though. So, um, Dwayne can be a little bit like Matt and not always do as well in games as he'd like to. So, when you've got both him and Matt playing each other, who actually won? It was a draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They both got two treasure chests off. Oh, God. Um, Matt did lose every single model, though. Yeah, I got tabled. But it was still a draw, because it it's all down to getting your treasure chests off. Yeah. By the time I died, there were some bigger nasty gribblies that would stop Dwayne getting his treasure chests off. All right, so it's the actual Roman monsters that truly won. Oh, the Roman monsters definitely won. And apparently, in the game that Mark and Dwayne had played earlier in this week... That was also the same thing that happened. Cool. Well, I must admit, um, this is the first game that you guys have sort of spoken to like that, that I've actually thought, hmm, what could I truly purpose models for? Yeah, well, definitely all those all those Saga Normans you've got. Yeah. I mean, they definitely... That's your men-at-arms bit sorted. So it really would only be a, um, you know, a wizard and, is an, and an apprentice. Yeah. That's right. You can be a PDF of it, can't you? Probably, I don't know. I don't know if it's PDF because it's hard. It's a hardback, so I don't know whether they've done it as a PDF sale yet or not. They, I mean, they traditionally have the North Star kind of Osprey Publishing is going that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there is. A, I'm sure yeah, there is a there is a PDF. Actually, no, there is. There's something on their website that says um, EPUB all form all formats. So that's fair enough. I might have to have yeah. a look at that then. But yeah, so that's so that's Frostgrave, um, and it was a lot of fun. Cool. And see, this is another not short form podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until the next not short form podcast, um, I've been Mike. I've been Lee, and I've been Matt. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>